da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. We're glad to see that most of you have made it after our Now You See Me commentary. Um, I barely did. I'm still here. Towards the end of that, I think. Like three times now, so. Towards the end of that, I think I was trailing off and I was becoming, I think delirium was setting in and I was becoming a different human. So I apologize (laughs) for that. As we, that was uh, the tail end of our marathon recording session just to let the listener in behind the curtain a little bit. And I felt like as we sat really close together on the couch, felt like you could sort of see Kent like reconsidering his life choices as we were watching the movie. Richard and I had a great time. And then you're look kind of, I just kept looking down the couch and it felt like Kent was just drifting into despair more and more. So it's always good. So it's a good, it's a good thing. I, reconsidered my life immediately after we made the decision to do the thing and then I had to sit there for two hours so sorry if they came off but that was a good time and I appreciate everybody that has listened to that this far and that'll be available forever for the, right. for the listener. They're, they're the ones who made that happen not me yes! Rumors and rumbling. that's awesome let the filibustering begin I, I we've got a lot of movie news to talk tonight and I mean I'm anxious to talk about it with all of you and uh, we had a couple offers online. People were throwing cash at us to get on this episode so that we could talk some of these trailers. Uh, but I'm really yeah, excited. One, one gentleman offered to let us name his first child if we would let him come on and, and talk uh, talk some of this news out with him with us. So but we, we refused. We want to welcome to the world J. Daniel McGruber. <laughs> J. Daniel Atlas McGruber. You got to right. get it right. Yeah. Two middle names. <laughs> Daniel Atlas is the middle names. Right. And uh, first name is, is Jay just J with the period. Jay McGruber yeah. is the, the the actual name. <laughs> but no, thank you. It, it's Comic Con week. It was Comic Con weekend, and it this was. is one of the more newsworthy cons I can remember in years. Um, yeah, definitely. A lot of stuff happened. Maybe just internet chatter. Maybe it was just kind of the DC versus Marvel thing happening. I don't know. But uh, a lot of stuff, nonetheless. A lot of trailers were released. Trailers that we didn't know were going to come out. Uh, trailers that I didn't anticipate this early. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some fanboy talk chatter, some a lot of smack talk going on between the sides right now. No. And, really? And I, wanna, I, I don't know where like you guys them. you guys fall on this because it seems like Warner probably brought their A game as far as their biggest lineup out there. Uh, they brought the Justice League out there and uh, did their whole presser. And they had a Wonder Woman debut, the the trailer to Wonder Woman. So they kind of brought all they had. Uh, Marvel kind of came mm-hmm. with some more announcements. Uh, they announced, I guess, introduced in person the Black Panther cast, as well as they made official the Brie Larson Captain Marvel rumor. Yeah. So that they announced that. So that got some people pretty excited. Uh, not a lot of trailers. Mm-hmm. I think we got a better look at Doctor Strange. Right, and uh, that's really it. But there was no Avengers talk. There was no real big Marvel announcements for stuff we didn't already know about. They were just kind of confirming some rumors and uh, sure. giving us maybe a little bit of a sneak peek. And but we did get Guardians Two or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, as it's officially called. And uh, they showed some footage there, but it was not released online. They did a little panel, and it was uh, a good time, I'm sure. But so. 
on to the DC side of things. A lot of trailers announced and released. Brian, I, I don't I guess I you don't really need an introduction to this. Uh, thoughts yeah. on all this stuff. You know, it's interesting. I think Marvel Marvel can kind of sit back and just come at it as like the experienced veteran of this whole thing because pretty much everything that Marvel does is well received and uh, you know, succeeds at the box office and blah 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 blah. So I just think it's interesting. That's kind of how Marvel went. They didn't bring any big trailers or any huge news. It was just confirmation. Kurt Russell and Black Panther. Black Panther casting looks fantastic. Captain Marvel, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, DC really went hard with this is the first look at Justice League. This is the first look at Wonder Woman. Here's a the, the last trailer for Suicide Squad. And I think they tried really hard to make amends for the last, you know, whatever, three years that we've been going through with them. And it, and it worked in in places i think i thought wonder woman looked really good that was an excellent trailer and um seemed like a really a big step up from from what we've seen lately i think gal gadot is going to be a very good wonder woman yeah i always like chris pine we'll talk about that more a little bit here later but so if they if patty jenkins is allowed to be patty jenkins and do what she does i think that that could be a solid film and that it at the very very least it was not an immediate sense of dread which we had with batman v superman which um i feel like we've had i man is still had a great trailer but uh, that kind of set us up anyway it was a good it was a step in the right direction and i think that was important um i yeah, don't know how you guys remember that. too on man of steel um was a it was kind of the first in this universe but also it had that it still had the nolan backing so we were all yeah, even yeah, was Snyder, it was like a you know nice little safety harness of like well christopher nolan's mm-hmm. involved so this will be fine right. Snyder will be reeled in and then then we realized much later mm-hmm. yeah Snyder was like Mistakes. real he, Snyder was reeled in for about eight minutes mm-hmm. and then uh Gosh. No one walked off set, and then all hell broke loose, and yeah. then the rest of the DC uh, universe happened. So. He shoots creatine at one of those T-shirts. Just shot up Monster yeah. Energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Well. I don't know. So what did you guys think? What did you think of the Wonder Woman trailer? Richard. Yeah, I, I you know, I've been kind of high on uh, Wonder Woman for a while. I mean, I think for the last year or so, we liked the casting. Um, we liked the choice in director. We liked that. Snyder seems to be busy with Justice League scheduling-wise, so maybe can't oversee as much of it. Um, yeah, we've been high on this one uh, kind of since the beginning. I think there's episodes of us talking about it. So um, I, I remain unchanged. I think this could kind of be like the Thor 1 of this universe with a pretty high degree of difficulty, but it looks like, at least so far, that they, they have a chance of pulling it off. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. yeah it. My thing with comic book movies, and I don't know if I've stated this on the show clearly enough, uh, in the past, with the new ones, when they bring a newer property in, and I understand Wonder Woman's not a new property; it's just one we haven't seen on film much. Um, sure. When they bring one in, I always ask myself, "Is this bringing anything new to the table?" And that is basically my biggest complaint with Justice League: is I don't feel like, as a movie, it's bringing anything new to the table. Maybe the only thing but it's he's bringing a new is assembling those characters. We've never seen them on screen before, but the whole assembling a team of superheroes to stop your worst enemy has been done multiple times, even in the past couple of years. Um, and it, it, it doesn't seem like Snyder is bringing anything new to the table. Uh, and he, he hasn't really, 
done anything in the past couple of years to convince us otherwise that he is uh, he's turned a corner in any sense of the word. So, having said that, I do feel like Wonder Woman brings a lot new to the table. We haven't seen her on screen sure. much. We haven't seen a female heroine to that extent. And I think setting her in the wor- World War One, I, I think it is, or maybe mm-hmm. World War Two, those scenes look incredible. Uh, the the contrast yeah. between her and then the the battle, uh, the I guess low saturation of the of the those battles, you know, her kind of bright mm-hmm. colors mm-hmm. juxtaposed with that. I mean, it's just going to look fantastic on screen. It looks to be well shot and everything. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that, and I think she's a good actress. I really enjoyed her her moments in uh, in BVS. It was probably the the highlights of the movie for me personally, and I mm-hmm. it looks that she has chemistry with Chris Pine, who I am also a fan of Brian, and I'm excited to talk about his career, which we haven't done, I don't think, on the show. So, uh, yeah, big bright spot for DC. I was pleasantly surprised with that, pleasantly surprised, and did not expect uh, to like it as much as I did. So I'm actually mm-hmm. very, very excited for that uh, that film, which comes out not, not too yeah. long from now, I think in uh, right in early next year. So we'll see. What are your thoughts on the actual trailer, though, Brian? If this was the first uh, DC Warner Brothers property and this was the trailer that we got, I think I'd be really excited. It looks yeah. like the type of film that the type of comic book movie that that I'll get behind, that I will enjoy watching. Um, I'm excited to see Godot and Pine and the whole I, the mythology of that. It that's not a I'm not like a Wonder Woman p1 so i don't really know all the backstory there so that will be interesting uh to to get some of that stuff it looked good that's that's a very good first step for for that property and i think that is i think it's vital for for dc to show any of these properties that aren't being run specifically by snyder himself i think they've got to show that they don't look snidery right out the gate because i think yeah. people it looks snidery to me in, in terms of visual aesthetic i think it looks along the lines of what snyder would would do which it, i love to, but it doesn't yeah. have snyder at the helm which makes me even more excited like if we can get right. all the snyder without the snyder that's great <laughs> you know yeah and it's funny because there's the most excitement for wonder woman it's a property that everyone has avoided no studio has wanted to make this movie. And right. uh, there's the most excitement about this than any property at Comic-Con. It's just funny. It's, it's ne- you never would have thought that. Uh, studio said yeah. that nobody cares about Wonder Woman. But uh, I'm the most excited for it. I can speak for myself. Mm-hmm. But that's just, it's just funny. And I hope it lives up to the hype because the hype is real right now. I think there's probably more hype for that than Justice League, which brings us to Justice uh. League. <laughs> Do you have to? And I heard, thanks to a lovely listener who was at the at the Comic Con, said that he was booed when he came on stage at his own panel, which is never a, never a good thing. <laughs> you never want that. Uh, I don't. I don't think you want that. But he'll he'll probably right. he could tell you otherwise. How that's a good thing. <laughs> Read it on our blog. Yeah, he'll tell you. He'll tell you why it's good. <laughs> but, um. Justice League is here. My biggest confusion with with this is that the trailer acts like these are characters that we already know. And that's, I don't, you know, the, the big reveal with Aquaman. He turns around and we're supposed to know it's Aquaman. We, we've seen him for half a second in Batman v right. Superman. And it wasn't even established that he was Aquaman in that 
it's just kind of a weird thing, you know, like you don't, you don't know it's even Justice League and he turns around and, and, and the music swells and Jason Momoa turns around and you're like, okay, that's Jason Momoa. I still don't know what this is, you know? Um, and they do this, they do kind of the same thing with the cyborg as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're assuming a little too much. And my only rebuttal to that, uh, and uh, you know, the Marvel rebuttal is coming would be that there were movies on all the other characters before we got Avengers. There were movies and sometimes multiple movies on some of those characters' backstories before we got those movies. We knew who they were. So there's a little Mm -hmm. more anticipation to see how these characters interact on screen. And I understand from a DC standpoint, a DC fanboy standpoint, if you say, well, it's not about the characters interacting or how they're going to, they're quirky you know, back and forth dialogue. It's about, we want to see these characters fight and we want to see these characters do comic book character things on stage, which we've never seen, which is what we're excited mm-hmm. about. From that sense, right. uh, I can get on board with that, but we've seen in the past that Zack Snyder doesn't really have the reins to keep it in control towards the end of mm-hmm. these movies. And uh, what makes me think that the biggest movie he's ever done with the most characters he's ever done and the most pressure he's ever done, and the most money he's ever had, that anything is going to change. Right. I just don't understand <laughs> anyone trying to come to me and say that, well, this this time it's going to be different, Kent. It's not going to be his past five movies. Right, um, yeah, yeah. When I see it, I'll believe it, and I, like I said, I'll be the first person to come on the show and, and fully yeah. say, man, guys, I was wrong. That movie was awesome. He turned it around, and right. and good things to come. But and I can't wait for yeah. that day. But it doesn't look to be coming anytime soon. But what are your Justice League <laughs> trailer thoughts? Anybody take please take the mic from me. I'm I'm off my <laughs> Like I said, I mean I liked Affleck going full McGruber and, and letting Aquaman know that I'm assembling a team. Yeah. Um Yeah. You could say that. Frank Corver, Tanker Lutz, Tud Beamer, Tug Phelps, yep. Vernon Freedom, Moi. Yeah. Right. I'd yeah. say that's a pretty good team. Um, <laughs> so that was uh, that made me like Snyder a little more. Yeah, there's there's parts of this trailer that are look you know super epic and cool, but you know to echo what you're saying a little bit, I've been burned so many times. This trailer wasn't nearly as cool as the Man of Steel trailer, and that movie was terrible. So even if this was <laughs> yeah, that's true. He cuts he cuts pretty good trailers. So I mean, I'm never really encouraged by his trailers anymore. Uh, um, I kind of wait for the the buzz right before it comes out before I commit. I I think this is I am going to go out on a limb. I've been right a lot lately on these. It's I think it's because I don't know anything about anything, so I'm able to very logically, um, <laughs> like I have I can make very rational, quick decisions on these. I do think this is going to be quite a bit better than than Batman vs Superman. I'm going to put a Rotten Tomato score of 55 percent out there. Okay, that's fair. I think it will be better too, but only because Batman v Superman was a pile of excrement in almost <laughs> every sense. Yeah, I mean it can't get much worse. It literally can't I get much to worse. I think of it as a jar of urine. Yeah, but sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But so we get the Flash in this, and mm-hmm. I don't know what the DC fanboys are saying about the Flash, uh, considering the, the Flash is already beloved on TV. Right. What, what's the uh, what's the vibe out there for that? Are, are they liking the new direction of the Flash, or are they appalled by it? I've seen both sides of that argument. I think it puts him in a bat, Ezra Miller's Flash in the movies. It, it puts him in an interesting position where if he's not good, or 
if his parts of the movie fall flat, then even if it's not his fault, it, it'll be diff- It'll be difficult for him because Grant Gustin is very good on that TV show, and I still don't understand why they just cut him at like the one successful part of DC right now. Like, nah, we don't need that in the movie at all. That's we'll just recast him for literally no reason. I don't get it, but that's what they're yeah. gonna do. It, so that's an odd choice, and it definitely has. I mean that that flash seems to have a bit of a different feel than the TV flash. And so maybe that's all it comes down to, but I think it's weird. I know. And, and it seems like who wants to make a bet right now that the scene with the flash grabbing the, grabbing the batarang is going to be the best uh, scene in the movie. And that's already been spoiled yeah. in the trailer. Um, I guess it's batarang. What, what, the, what are those little called throwing stars? Yeah, I think they're, I think they're batarangs. You can feel free to tweet us and correct us on that because I'm sure everyone knows but us. But uh, yeah, that scene was cool. That scene was cool. If it wasn't already done in X Men, uh, you know. But yeah, just, we've done the slow yeah. motion thing. I guess they're not bringing anything new to the table as far as that's concerned. But uh, it seems like Batman Bale voice, Bale Batman voice is back with with uh, Affleck. <laughs> that's a little confusing. Why is he doing? Why is, Why does he have to recruit everyone? put together a team uh, looking forward to this and the fact that uh, maybe it could be better than what we've seen. And I have high hopes that it is. And in that sense, I guess I'm going to have a positive review of it because it's a step in the right direction. So I guess that's my thought on that. But what are, what are your thoughts on Richard, the stuff that came out on the Marvel side, as far as uh, Dr. Strange? Yeah, big, uh, big. Might as well call this uh, CumberCon. You had the Sherlock trailer, which got big, and the Doctor Strange trailer. Um, I'm, I'm all in on Doctor Strange. I don't know if it'll be good. I, I really don't know yet. I just like. I think it's really smart of Marvel to go. Re- they've built up enough currency, I think, to really take a risk with something, and uh, it looks like they're they're doing that with you know you've got a horror movie director and like kind of odd storyline and things. It's like mm-hmm. how I mean this is. This is Marvel just, you know, playing with house money, I think, saying, yeah, let's mm-hmm. let's see if we can do something really fun and, and, and different. If it fails, no one's no one's gonna be like, well, Marvel's over if Doctor Strange sucks. It's like it's it's and if they lose $150 million on it or $200 million, then that I think Disney will figure out a way to find um, that. But uh, just invite Brian to uh, Disney a few more times. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I think I love I just love the attitude behind it. And I like how creative and non-cynical it would be. It could be a total dumpster fire, but I think it's going to be good. What about you guys? I think you're right, Richard, in the fact that they can kind of take a risk here and nobody's really going to say anything. Um, But it looks to be a healthy payoff. Um, This is definitely a visual aesthetic that they haven't brought us before. It's kind of a kaleidoscope of visuals. Mm -hmm. I know nothing about Doctor Strange, so I'm not going to act like I do. This is something that I'm curious about. And just how they're going to work this in with the other characters that we know, because it seems to be something so vastly different. Maybe I could see it working with Thor just because of the cosmic elements. But uh, an Ant-Man, Doctor Strange crossover, I don't really see that. But uh, it's going to happen. You know, that's that's the direction they're looking. Um, But you have a thought at all about this, Brian? I guess we're a few months from the movie. I tried not to watch the trailer. I kind of see seen all I need to see mm-hmm. as far as that goes, and I haven't, I still haven't watched the Suicide Squad trailer that was released at Comic Con, just because I, yeah. I'm already on board with that, and I just want to see it and right. have my thoughts. So I think he would work really well with Guardians of the Galaxy. 
uh, or Hulk or I'm not sure how well he plays with Hawkeye, you know, but that's fine. We can figure that out later. And I'm excited about the cast as well. I am, too. And is that all the Comic-Con big news there was? I'm, I'm sure there were some there were some smaller panels. There was a Walking yeah. Dead panel. I know there was some some was uh, Sherlock some TV trailer. stuff. Sherlock. Yeah, absolutely. Viral. I did see the Kong reboot trailer, though, and I'm actually on board with this because we've seen what Legendary has done in the past with Godzilla and with Pacific mm-hmm. Rim as far as monsters go, big scale monsters. And this seems to be right in that vein. And I, I think this is an interesting ensemble with uh, John Goodman and Samuel L. Jackson and Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson. I was always a fan of Peter Jackson's King Kong. Uh, I just love that mm-hmm. universe. I love Skull Island. I love that place. Uh, that movie obviously has its shortcomings and it's kind of bombastic in, in the wrong sense of the word. But maybe this is, could be a more scaled down, more isolated movie. And I think that excites me as well. And um, they didn't give away too much in the trailer, which I'm excited about. Didn't give away the, the look mm-hmm. of the creature or anything. Very teaserish, and uh, looks to be looks to be cool. Looks to be a good step in the right direction for Tom Hiddleston as well. He can be kind of be an Indiana Jones kind of a action star. I haven't, we haven't seen him do much action since Thor or Loki, and mm-hmm. uh, this seems mm-hmm. to be seems to be awesome for him because he's rumored for the next Bond. So this seems to be. Maybe a, a a better case for him now as Bond if if this does well. So we'll see. And hopefully that means Kanye will be the next Bond villain, <laughs> given their you know other sides. Oh, I would be so, I would be so on board for like a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> Bond movie with Hiddleston and Kanye. Yes, uh, Richard, did you see the uh, Kong trailer? I did. I did. I uh, uh, I I'm I've never been a, a King Kong person. You can. You can, uh, I don't know, maybe because it comes from the woods um, or something. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't, I never watched too much of those as a kid. I saw the Peter Jackson one in theaters um, and forgot about it almost instantly. But uh, this one looks cool. It looks cool. I mean, I really liked that Godzilla movie a couple years ago. This is kind Mm -hmm. of in the same vein and it seems a little copycat-ish. Well, if you're going to copycat something, uh, copycat something interesting. Uh, So... Yeah, I think I I don't don't be surprised if this does not make that much money though. I just could yeah. see this being something that's liked by mainstream critics. It may make a lot overseas, but I could see this kind of floundering domestically because I like mm-hmm. all of those people, but none of them bring people to the seats. As evidence with I mean Samuel Jackson was in Tarzan and and no one cared. That is true. But uh, to your point about copycatish, uh, this is the same universe as Godzilla, and eventually they're going to okay. cross them over, and they're start they're starting to build something, I guess, kind of a Godzilla King Kong universe that we're going to eventually see. Maybe some, maybe Pacific Rim crosses over at some point. Who knows? <laughs> with those, which would be crazy. But uh, Legendary seems to know what they're doing, as far as that goes. But the trailer looked interesting to me, and gave me a good feeling. So we'll have to see about that. But did you see it, Brian? Yeah, it looked good. I don't know that I need a King Kong, another King Kong movie in my life, but if you're going to do it, then do it right, I guess. So this is, I'm interested to see what happens. because I think Richard's right. I don't know that this makes a ton of money, but if it's a good movie, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, that's great. But uh, it'll be, I want to see how this one, how this one plays out. And that was a good trailer. 
Very good trailer. Especially since I think War of the Planet of the Apes comes out next summer as well. So we're going to have multiple mm-hmm. ape-themed big blockbusters. And we'll have to yeah. see which one does well. I don't know if people were burnt out on the Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. franchise yet, but... And then so, the mighty Jung Yo, the mighty Jung, mighty Joe. You, God, oh, you, you almost had it, man! I myself. knew where you were going. This is the with, worst. with that joke. You <sighs> almost had it. Mighty Jeez. Joe well, Young. It's gonna cross over with the Dunstan checks in universe, which I'm excited yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all the Comic Con stuff, I think, guys. I'm kind of burnt out on comic book movies for a while. Do we have any more left this year? No. Good. All right. No Doctor Strange, but that's it. Okay. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. BlueApron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Let's uh, move on and let's talk Star Trek Beyond. This is one that I had circled earlier in the year. I believe we talked about this on our most anticipated movies of the mm-hmm. summer episode. And I uh, had high hopes for this one. I thought it would be a pleasant surprise, I believe. Uh, I feel like this was my Ant-Man of last summer. Uh, I had a good feeling about this one. There was a little bit of maybe negative publicity around it uh, when the writer switched out. Not at the last minute, but they kind of hit reset on where the direction they were going with Star Trek Three or the third of this rebooted franchise. And, uh, you know, good results. Uh this time around from me, I thought this was a really fun movie. It's definitely a departure from the other Star Trek movies we've gotten uh, in this series, but I thought this was a fun movie and it's, it's a weird way to end it because it feels like such a reset from the things we've seen in the past, the JJ Abrams movies. 
Not that it's uh, trying to right any wrongs, because those J.J. Abrams movies have their moments, uh, some better than others. But I think this was a good step in the right direction for this. And it's sad because if this is the last one they do in this trilogy, if they try to reset it in some way past this, it'll be weird uh, because it feels like such a great, uh, great step forward for this franchise. And um, I really, really had fun with this. Uh, Definitely a more lighthearted feel, definitely a throwback feel to it. It felt more like a homage to Star Trek than the last one did. The last one I felt like kind of was kind of rewriting the history of Star Trek while while playing homage. This one felt like it knew what it was doing and had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I don't know your thoughts, Brian, if you were insulted by mm-hmm. any of this, uh, the, if it insults Star Trek lore in any way. But uh, for me, this is a welcome surprise uh, in the theater. Sure. I was a little nervous about the movie because... The first trailer was, I thought, was awful. I thought it was a really bad first trailer, and my only defense for it was it it definitely looked like it had been cut from, like, three days of shooting. So that there wasn't a lot to go with to create a trailer, probably just maybe wait a couple weeks, you know, and cut one later or something like that, try that out. But I thought the first trailer was bad, and then we had all the, you know, the backstory of, like, they not necessarily a total reset, but it definitely was an issue uh, scripting and trying to put everything together. So I, I was a little nervous about it. Um, I do not, cons- I'm not in any way, shape or form like a Trekkie or a Trekker. I like these movies a lot and I have seen, uh, I've seen all of next generation and some of the other series. It's, it occupies a rare space for, for me, space, get it, of uh, <laughs> a property that I enjoy, but I am not like 100% fully uh, completist about and everything so Brian, about it. And that is, yes, that go ahead. That feeling you have is how I feel about literally everything. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> it's a better way to go about life, I think. You you have the right, the right idea. This for me, Brian, this compares directly in my mind to X-Men. It's like I really okay. enjoy them when they come out, mm-hmm. but unless there's one coming out, they don't occupy any space in my Sure, you don't brain. think about them. But, sure. I, but when I come I, out, I'm like, man, I really like those, you know? Same yeah. with kind of Born, too, which we'll yeah. discuss okay. later in the week, but uh, go ahead. Excited. So I don't come at this as a Trekkie. I wrote about this on the blog of it is very difficult to converse about as a – I would say I'm somewhere in the middle between people who just go to see the big movie of the week and then all the way on the other side of the extreme, the or the other side of the spectrum, like the real Trekkies. I feel like I'm somewhere in the middle, and it is very difficult as someone in the middle to have an intellectual conversation about Star Trek movies uh, with Trekkies because they take it very, very seriously and that's fine i take star wars very seriously i just feel like and i wrote about this a little it's just it's like to be a star trek fan you have to pass um a litany of tests to be able to be to include yourself in that and one of those tests is you have to think that jj abrams star trek movies are are not good and i don't feel that way i love that first movie i think that's a i don't know where it is in the pantheon of my favorite films but it is very high on rewatchability to me that's a 
that's a very classic. It's kind of late. I don't want to watch Sports Center again. I just want to put something on on the background that I can enjoy while I read or work or whatever. I'll I'll go to Star Trek two or three times a year. It's a that's such a fun movie to me, and I don't I don't hate Into Darkness at all. I think it's very flawed, but it has it has a lot of value to me as well. Um, I think this one is kind of right in between the two. I was. That first, like, 15 minutes, I was really nervous. I thought this could go in a bad direction real fast. But once it finds its footing and its pace, I thought I thought Justin Lin did an excellent job of creating a movie that follows in the Abrams' footsteps of letting these movies be relevant to, culture, to the culture, not just to uh, the real Trekkie, but it also... I think you can tell that Justin Lin is a real Star Trek fan, not J.J. Uh, Abrams, who admittedly was was not a Star Trek guy at all and kind of came to it very late in life. I, to me, this bridges the gap really well as far as reaching out to both sides of that, uh, of those groups, both groups in that spectrum, I guess. Um, I don't think it's as good as the first one. I think it's better than Into Darkness, uh, and I after that first, I don't know, whatever, 10, 15, 20 minutes, I really enjoyed it a lot and had, uh, had quite a, had quite a good time with it. I think you're right. It's very fun. And that's, you know, that's not all we can ask for from a summer blockbuster, but this summer has been particularly low on quality fun, I think. And so this was a bit of fresh air. This is exactly what I want in late July was a movie exactly like this, you know? It's yeah. Like a, it's like, I'm kind of bummed that Born is coming out this week because I have to go into the theater and think for two hours. You sure. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure. I just want to like almost like have a glazed look in my eyes and watch these movies and enjoy them, <laughs> which I felt like this. You know, it was just such a simple story, and I think they even say in this, uh, "I'm going to break it." They say like, "I'm going to break it down you, I'm going to break it down for you as simple as I can, or I'm going to be extremely straightforward with it, extremely straightforward with you." Say we're going in there to save them, uh, and that's it. Like that was the mission, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I appreciated that. But uh, this this didn't take a lot of thought for me to watch and enjoy, which mm-hmm. often it does. I often find enjoyment in very subtle subtle things and plots and things. And this uh, had it was a very it was kind of on the surface, and I like that. But Richard, general thoughts at all? Yeah, I really like this uh, series. It reminds me of like what it was like to go see <laughs> Indian I mean uh Independence Day when I was like 8 and I was dumb and I just liked stuff it's like it does the same thing for me at 29 that yeah. those movies did for me at 8 sure. which I get is not the uh like general thought between Star Trek originally it's it in some ways is a betrayal of you know Star Trek is supposed to be kind of the thinking person's um sci-fi in a lot of ways right. and and this series isn't as much aside from some of their kind of cool, um, you know, parallel time things they do and all that. But, uh, I love these movies. I think that it's such a tightrope and it's walked so well and, and continues to be walked really well. I, I, you know what you're in for. Um, you know, it's, you know, you're going to see some laser beams. You're going to see some cool <laughs> planet scapes. You're going to get some jokes. Um, Spock seems to, you know, never learn his lesson. That you know he needs to be more human than computer or logic 
you know, more uh, than uh, than Vulcan. Yeah. And uh, he learns that at the end of every movie and then immediately forgets it in time <laughs> to the next movie, which I really appreciate. Um, that type of storytelling. It's very convenient. Thank you. Yeah. He really, like, embraces his human side, learns a lot, and then and then just dispenses that almost instantly. So, uh, yeah, but these are... I, you know, I just don't see why they should stop with three. Like, just make one of these every four years for... I mean, why not? I mean, it's a it's a series you can even the actors can get old. It's fine. I, it's kind of and, and and it's Star Trek. Like, it's not uh, what you know. It, 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 historically, there's proof of it rambling on forever. So why can't this series ramble and resetting on? itself with completely new casts like every eight years yeah. on TV or whatever? Yeah. So let's just keep this film version of it going. I mean, yeah. I know there's going to be a a new uh, television show that that. You know, they, they launched a trailer, I think, today on kind of the heels of this. But, mm-hmm. um, I yeah, I love these. I think they could – Chris Pine is is such a great Kirk, um, and I don't see why. Thank God his career hasn't really launched anything else, um, and maybe maybe Wonder Woman will be it. But uh, I, why can't he just be Kirk now for the next 20 years? I, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. And so I, I hope that uh, somehow they – they come around and, and do some more here in about five or six years. Cause these are great summer entertainment. It's everything you would want. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it, I, I, like Brian said that, that too, that it's crazy. That one's seven years ago now, the first one. And it's like, it's not dated at all. It holds yeah. up. great. And, uh, I, and into the darkness gets a lot of, uh, bad rap now, like people, but everyone liked it when it came out, including me. I still like it. Now everyone's decided it sucks. There's some logicals in it and stuff, but it's a perfectly fun movie. Um, and this one was, uh, this one was was really no disappointment. Kind of to me, at least, kept on the same trajectory. At least, yeah. I think Brian, maybe you can speak to this more. A lot of the criticism with Into Darkness came with the con, yeah, ripping con and using the way they used it and the reveal and all that. Uh, right. Maybe maybe that offended some Star Trek fans a little too much, or it crossed a line that didn't want to be crossed. Right. I think that's always the deal with with Trekkies or Trekkers is that the fact that you have to say both is just tells you all you know. I know. And it's it's frustrating because anyway, uh, regardless, it there's always this sense of like you have to everything that happens in Star Trek has to tie in perfectly to everything else that has ever happened in any Star Trek property. And that it seems to include like graphic novels and fan fiction and like six different tv series and that is just so exhausting and i i thought jj did a fit that one of the best parts of uh of the 09 star trek is is that he kind of he really tried hard i think and i don't know that they that hardcore trek fans really um accepted this but regardless he tried hard to reset that franchise to a place where average human beings can go and see it and enjoy it yeah while also being respectful to, I mean, that's the whole point of that alternate timeline thing is to try to, okay, look, these can exist. It's, it's almost meta of like this, this stuff can exist. Now this can exist, you know, side by side. They don't have to butt heads against each other. Oh, well, yes, I do. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, the, you know, the second one, I, admittedly, I think JJ himself would say he got trapped or he, he, he has this, uh, this willingness almost to to trap himself into the mystery box kind of thing and just like get really obsessed with 
the end result mystery. And along when you do that, if you don't pull it off really well, which I don't think Into Darkness did, I you know it's solid film. I enjoy watching it. No real qualms with it, but the mystery element of who Khan is that seemed to be the thing that that sets off uh, Trek fans. And it also it is the thing that works the least in yeah. that movie. You know, it just trying to build a mystery out of it instead of just saying up front, hey, it's Khan. We're we're gonna do the Khan thing because the previous con movie came out 35 years ago and most people haven't seen it or care about, you know what I mean? Like you should have just do that, just do that instead. And maybe that heads off some of the criticism up front. Um, but yeah, yeah, look, I don't think that one has aged as well as the O nine star Trek has, but it's still, I had it number five on my rankings that I did this week. It's a totally enjoyable, passable, fine popcorn type movie to me. Um, and I, you know, the people that, that seem to really hate it are, you know, they're mostly hard, hardcore Trek fans. And so that's fine. That's a, you know, you, you're, everybody's welcome to their thoughts and their opinions and all that stuff. But it is interesting that there seems to be, that, that's an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. So like there's a massive divide between hardcore Trek fans and average yeah. people plus. I think critics, it got, you know? I feel like it got a little, little bit greedy. When, okay, we have the whole thing of the Enterprise falling, right? You know, uh, falling mm-hmm. out of the sky. Yes. And then yes. it gets greedy at the end, and they, then we have this huge chase sequence for 20 minutes mm-hmm. at the end with Spock running right. through the streets, and they're on that little caravan or whatever it is, the train yeah. car. And that that's when I was just like, okay, this needs to end, and fast. And, uh, yes. And they yeah. they had their cake and tried to eat it, too, you know? Um, they, they, yeah. they, they got greedy with it, and uh, it's yeah. okay. It was a little and bombastic. If you remember, right. If you remember, that was kind of the summer of uh, destruction porn. Like that was. Yeah, we saw that like a week after uh, a week after Iron Man 3 or like two weeks yes. after Iron Man 3. Yes. Yeah. And I think Man of Steel was that same general time. I mean, you know, like a month later or something. And so I think every movie from that summer, uh, if it's made a year later, their third acts are a little bit different. Maybe not a whole lot different, but a little bit different and a little bit less um 200 million people dying sort of thing because of the criticism that that came through in that summer it's just like one summer we all decided as a society this is not good when we just let millions and millions of people die with no ramifications and that seemed to i don't know like like every movie take a shot that year that that uh, summer because of that feeling i guess this definitely has the best feeling of optimism of the three films uh, it's not like okay we're all screwed and we're all just flying around here and we're all gonna die eventually mm-hmm. uh this this is definitely a more positive outlook on just life in general from this um yeah it, it takes advantage of the light-hearted nature of star trek uh that mm-hmm. you really feel in the 1960s show and they they kind of <laughs> seriously move further and further away from that with every reboot of the tv series which bugs me um mm-hmm. but uh they a lot of really peg scripting too i'm sure a lot of it's peg scripting it's like hey what makes star trek fun why did we like mm-hmm. that uh original star trek be- even with it being as campy and as ridiculous as it was well it's mm-hmm. like well we loved it because it was campy and kind of ridiculous and so they right. really do they bring back even the makeup the practical makeup they decided to bring that back with like main characters in this and i really like mm-hmm. that 
And uh, it's kind of one of my complaints about Star Trek is I don't know all the species, you know? There are so many different kinds of aliens in Star Trek. Almost like every episode, you're introduced to like a new species or whatever, a new enemy, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. this movie did a really good job of giving us main characters, but also giving us a smorgasbord of like interesting character design, too, on the other side, because I thought it was extremely well done yeah. from a design and a practical effects standpoint. I didn't expect that from this at all. I think I saw like one character in the trailer, but it was a very big focus of the movie where the uh, the Idris Elba's kind of transformation uh, from human or from alien to human and vice versa. And uh, I love how they did that with makeup and everything. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, you can just speak to that, how it kind of plays off the original Star Trek series and as far as the look and feel of the of the movie goes, Brian. Yeah, I think that's the whole point of this movie. More than anything else, um, I think they ha- – I read a lot of articles leading up to this in part for rep- – uh, excuse me, for research for the – the blog that I wrote and partly just cause I really do enjoy this series and I want to, you know, see what's coming up and be excited about it. I think the main focus of this film was trying to win back the Trekkie and, and bring everybody back together, you know, and, and all sing Kumbaya together or whatever, because yeah, it's it, just, it, it's it, confusing though, because it's like, I thought everyone liked the reboot of star trek you know like why are they saying sorry in like a way that jj abrams said sorry with force awakens like sorry for the prequels remember star wars this is like hey remember star trek but like yeah but we kind of still like it you know already well the deal is though we are coming at it from non-trekkie standpoints and i i reached out to several people that i know in real life and then i i put something out on twitter and just asked for for if there's any listeners we have that are real Trekkies to touch base with me and shout out to, um, John Manasco and, uh, Heather Hardy. There are several others that responded, but those two really helped me out. Um, I got, I think I got five full ranking lists back from, from, uh, people who identified themselves as Trekkies and four of the five put into darkness or Trekkers, one or the other. Uh, four of the five put Into Darkness as the worst Star Trek movie on their list, which is insane to me. I mean, that's your thing. Okay, fine. But, like, there are some really bad Star Trek movies. Starting, I mean, Final Frontier, number five for the original cast, is, like, an all-time bad movie. And and the first one, Motion Picture, is really bad, too. Like, there's a lot of bad movies. But they hate Into Darkness because they feel like it betrays the sanctity of star trek so that's what star trek beyond is it's a that may not like i don't think that crosses over to critics i don't think it crosses over to average movie fans and again that is the reason why star trek beyond is being made is because of uh because those first two movies did so well with general audiences this one was more than anything else i think the main point of it is because it's not even that successful financially and i think they're fine with it because at least it seems like it has kind of brought back that fan base that felt, you know, whether they're they're right in feeling that or not, that felt not. betrayed and, and alienated. And so this is that's what this whole thing was about, I think, was it's been like a two year press tour of like, look, Justin Lin's a Trekkie. Hey, Simon Pegg's a big Trek guy, like all this stuff of like, mm-hmm. guys, you trust us. You're really going to like this. I promise. And. I hope that the hardcore Trekkie likes it because it didn't do that great with general audiences. It would be awesome if for the fourth one, which is a likelihood of happening, I think, but isn't a you know a definite. It'd be great if 
if we could all join hands and enjoy the same movie for once. That'd be cool. That'd be really fun. Uh, but this yeah. one, man, that was the point. You, We've got to reach the fan base that feels like it's been alienated. Yeah. I really like the storyline here. Um, we kind of mm-hmm. have Kirk, and they, they do a good job of giving us kind of a perspective on Kirk as far as they say, you're one year older than your dad was when he died. So that's, okay, yeah. well, now, uh, you know, he's got a lot to think about, you know, where would his dad be? What would his dad do if he was still alive at that point in time? You know, mm-hmm. would he uh, have chosen to leave because of the danger he's putting himself in and his future in? Uh, a lot of questions for Kirk, but they don't spend too much time other than right at the beginning kind of talking mm-hmm. about that, which I appreciated. And uh, also with Spock, he finds out about the death of Spock Prime and uh, his future or fate is kind of written at that mm-hmm. point. And so... They do kind of focus on it at the beginning. There's some reflective moments between the two characters, and then the action kind of starts, and we kind of forget about it until maybe the end and we have some a little bit more reflection. But I appreciate them not going too far deep uh, into that. And I can think, think, like I said, once the action starts or once the swarm comes, uh, we're kind of all in on it, and uh, we don't really come out until the end. So I like that. And speaking of swarm, the scene where the swarm, uh, the Enterprise... I thought it was incredible. I mean, visually and everything with the, the ships flying down like a swarm of bees or flies or whatever, and then attaching themselves to the ship, and then they're like breaking into the ships and the aliens coming out into the ship and everything. I thought that was an extremely cool sequence and something I'd never seen. I'd never seen ships that looked like that or acted like that or had never seen like an alien race break into a ship like that. It was kind of mm-hmm. like they peeled away the car, like the outer shell of the of the Enterprise, and kind of inserted themselves into it, like kind of organically. It was weird, but it was awesome, mm-hmm. and I, I love that scene, and I wanted a lot more of it. Um, the flying through the nebula stuff was awesome with the Enterprise, and the bridge is all detaching, and everything's falling, and I think they figured out like the Enterprise is awesome, and being inside the Enterprise is really fun, but. The Enterprise, like, burning up and blowing up is also really fun <laughs> because sure. just it falling apart because it's such a big structure that it's just uh, you really can't look away when it's flying through space on fire. Uh, so we get a lot of that in this. Uh, what, mm-hmm. do, what do we think about it? So the, the Enterprise crashes on, on a, a planet, and uh, that's all we really get of the ship, and then everyone gets kind of separated. And this is the point where it felt like old-school Star Trek to me. So when everybody's kind of walking around on their own, everybody's kind of in pairs. They're odd pairs, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's uh, Bones is with Spock, and uh, Kirk's with uh, Chekhov, I believe. And we get them kind of looking for each other. But um, the pair of Bones and Spock was awesome. And Carl Urban in these three movies, like, he's mm-hmm. the real MVP of these, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, he yeah. is so spot yeah. on. And he just brings such a great lightheartedness to it and uh, such a dedication to the character. And he's getting more and more like country as he goes. And that maybe is going to complain. He's getting a little more hick or a little too comfortable with the character. <laughs> he's starting to get a little Texas with it, a little twangy. Sure. But uh, that's a small complaint. But I really love what he brings to this. And, uh, this this movie is just like okay these actors know these characters and they're just going to do it you know um we don't spend mm-hmm. a lot of time with exposition in this because these guys are so good like 
Quinto puts on the wig and ears and he is Spock. Like he he's more Spock than he is Quinto, you know? Like these characters are mm-hmm. so ingrained by now, they're so used to it that you just kind of get to see them do their thing and I really like that. But um as far as it mm-hmm. going off on their own, um I even noticed that the sets that they're on like were kind of meant to look like backlotty. Did you notice that at all in any sense? Like they they're meant to look kind of cheap and fake. Like even the little, like the mountains huh. and the ruins and the rocks and everything. I I don't know if they were going for like a nineteen sixties like movie set vibe for it, but I felt that way in a sense. And if they were, that was a smart choice because it gives you kind of a subconscious uh, look at the movie or something you wouldn't really necessarily notice, but uh, you kind of see it with your third eye. But I don't know. Yeah. That's just something I would ask Justin Lin, is if they kind of took inspiration from a lot of the set work as well. Mm. And uh, it reminded me that it reminded me of that um, a lot. So the flight suits, um, I have a double check mark by flight suits because it looked freaking <laughs> incredible. All the costuming yeah. in this movie looked awesome. And I don't know what took them so long to like figure out what they wanted to do with the Star Trek uniforms. Because the last movie was kind of weird. They kind of looked like wetsuits in a way. Uh, yeah. The first one yeah. was much more plain. This one is very plain. I mean, they're all one color. I don't think they've used mm-hmm. any kind of pattern at all in any of the fabric. Um, but um, the actual flight suits themselves, the ones that Chekhov and, uh, and Kirk are wearing... The blue yeah. and yellow ones, I mean, holy crap, those looked awesome. Like, I want to buy one of those for a, a Halloween costume or something. Yeah. Uh, they look great, but, I mean, the design on almost every sense in this movie is, like, spot on on what I want mm-hmm. Star Trek to be on screen. Uh, how yeah. did you feel about that? Yeah, I thought the practical effects and the design, the, the production design was Did you was find a, it too campy at, at all, like, as far as no. the, the aliens no, go? because Star Trek is supposed to be campy, and, and if you handle camp... If you handle camp the right way, then it can play so well, and I think it fits this universe really well. And so, man, I I thought the the scripting, um, once it found its footing, I thought it was really good, and I thought you could tell that the peg that it was a labor of love, and um, I thought that was great. I once they once the crew the Enterprise gets aboard that planet, that movie, this movie is a blast, and it takes off and it goes really fast, and it. Um, it doesn't stop except to give you these really, they're not poignant moments necessarily, but they, they register as character depth and development and an understanding of those characters, as well as kind of a little bit emotional, not cry emotional, but like, yeah, I get, I get where these characters are coming from, especially with Spock and, uh, and, and, uh, almost said Picard <laughs> and Kirk, uh, <laughs> that's, you know, those are great. Um, once they get on that planet, it is a, it feels so Star Trek to me. I mean, it just, it takes me back to, uh, my youth of watching Next Generation and some of those early movies. And, um, you know, that is something that is missing from the first two Abrams movies is that they don't necessarily, uh, just reek of Star Trek in the plotting and in the settings and, and all that stuff. And so I think that that was a, a really cool touch and it made the, this movie feel made it feel authentic, I guess. Yeah. And, and I, I enjoyed that. I thought, I, I thought the campiness was part of that. Yeah. And I loved how they actually run into or spend, we get a whole scene 
uh, or chunk of the movie actually on the USS Franklin, which is an old ship. And when they actually power on the old ship using old technology like we would have seen in the old Star Trek series, I thought that was kind of a cheap way out. I'm like, how can we like do a flashback to old Star Trek? Oh, how about we find yeah. an old ship? Right. Uh, but it, I really enjoyed that, too, and I thought it was a smart cool. way to go about that. And I loved the look of the, and feel of the old technology, mm-hmm. the throwback feel of it. So this movie has some easy payoffs or some maybe some cheap payoffs. Uh, the fact that uh, Spock gives Uhura the necklace and then later uses it as a location device, uh, that was maybe convenient, some would say, but I think that's a just good storytelling, like setting something up early and then having it come in use later, uh, especially with a action movie. Uh, a lot of action movies don't even think to do those types of things. <laughs> and so the fact that they did that, uh, I appreciated what did we think? Uh, I think so let's move into spoilers now. So spoilers, spoilery, spoiler stuff coming up for Star Trek Beyond. Uh, what did we think of the end? How, uh, or I guess we should talk about the villain first in Idris Elba. What did we think of his character? It took me a while to figure out who it was even. Crawl, his name was. And yeah. it took me a while to figure out it was Idris Elba once I did. Uh, I'm on board. He's shown up in a lot of stuff this year <laughs> for us as far as a villain and doing voice work and things, but um, always good to see him. And I liked his progression as a character and sort of how they reveal his motivation over time. Uh, but what do we think of, he's the, really the only antagonist we have in the movie. So. Yeah, I loved it. I thought he was, uh, he's always my favorite part of things he's in. Normally he has that kind of ability and uh, this was no different. I, I thought he was an awesome addition. Yeah, and even through the mi- through the makeup, he really gave a strong performance. Like I, you can't even consider this mocap because, man, that must have been awful to put on every day. Yeah, I mean, that I, that was the other thing that just was running through my head. The like the entire movie was this had to be miserable, but I'm glad. <laughs> I I'm glad too. But what I was going to say as far as uh, the third act goes is, what do we think about them destroying them with the power of music, guys? What, yeah. what, how did how did that go with you, Brian? Uh, were you rolling your eyes a bit there? Uh, no, because it was uh, it's that's my favorite song of all time. So if is it, it had been any, oh yeah, sabotage is my <laughs> my number one favorite song of all time. So wow, if it would have been like any other song, I might have been a little eye rolly. But instead, I just got up and started jumping around and was uh, was insane for it. I think that and that's a really nice touch for for JJ because JJ is a huge bc boys fan and uh has sabotage featured in numerous films of his and so i thought that was yes a little cheesy but not outlandish for star trek and i thought that it was a i thought it was a great choice if you're going to go that route that was kind of awesome i i really yeah. dug that scene i fist uh, i kind of fist pumped because i remembered the scene in the first of course star trek 2009 when young kirk is driving in the convertible gets pulled over by the robot he's of course listening to that but citizen uh, citizen please state your name and james tiberius kirk uh i I love that scene but uh it's a great throwback to the original and definitely kind of brings it full circle there at the end uh with his arc uh james kirk's arc there so a little a few easter eggs here that i noticed the torn shirt 
from Captain Kirk. He always tore his shirt back in the day and always looked obviously torn, like it was torn by a costume <laughs> person and not by like a any event happening. You know, that's how it looked here. Yeah. So like Chris Sale was involved. Yeah, <laughs> just took some scissors. And I heard the character Jayla, who was the alien new alien character, uh, was based on Jennifer Lawrence, and her name her character's name was Jay Law. Uh, in the script or in, when they were coming up with the script. And so that's why her name is Jayla in the movie, because they needed a Jennifer Lawrence character. So if she reminded you of Jennifer Lawrence in uh, maybe Winter's Bone, then that's why. <laughs> so any thoughts on anything here in the third act as far as how it all comes together? There's one moment I want to talk about at the end, but... Uh, what about the action scene uh, at the end? Any any thoughts on that? I don't know if it really, like you were saying earlier, Kent, I don't know if it totally wraps it up in the way I would want it to, but I'm fine with that because I kind of want more. So I don't, yeah. you know, I, 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 like I said, I, I hope they keep cranking these out every five or six years because that would be, a, that'd be great. But uh, this didn't certainly give me like, I'm never going to see these characters again, closure. And I hope now and that'll be more sad if I actually do never see these characters again in this incarnation because I didn't, I don't know. I never really thought to say goodbye. I just assumed it would keep going. Yeah. Another little Easter egg was the fact that they said they were starting on the third year of their mission, 900-something uh, days, 966 days, I think it is, and that the fact that the original Star Trek series starts on day 900-whatever of their mission, implying that the original series starts where this leaves off. And uh, also, speaking of the original series, we get a moment with Spock at the end of the film, uh, seeing a photograph of the original cast all together. How did we feel about that? Was that a little too on the nose or in your face uh, for you, Brian? I loved that. I thought that was a cool homage. Yeah, I thought that played very well, especially in light of this whole thing of, you know, that Leonard Nimoy has died since the last Star Trek film and... I thought that was a great way to to send that class of of uh, characters and and cast off in a in a really positive, touching light that didn't take away from the movie. You know what I mean? Like I thought that, it was that a would good been, a good way yeah. to say thank you to them. That was a good little button at the end. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It gave gave me a little the willies, you know, the wet willies in my eyes. I don't know what that's <laughs> called. It's called crying, I believe. But uh, it's never happened to me before, so I wouldn't know. But it um, it was good and uh, touching, very touching. Any thoughts uh, on the third act at all? Or we're gonna hit grades because I'm ready to grade this one. Let's I thought it. the re- I thought the reveal of mm-hmm. who Kroll is was cool. I I maybe in hindsight I felt like maybe I should have been able to call that one, but yeah. I, I didn't, so it it got me by surprise, and I thought it was a cool twist, and in uh, a very, I wouldn't be super surprised if that wasn't JJ inspired. Like that had a very JJ Abrams feel to it, without taking up the entire movie with uh, a, a mystery element, you know. Yeah, I thought it was a bit slow to reveal all the motivations on mm-hmm. why is this guy doing what he's doing. Uh, we still don't have a clear picture even at the end, but we have a better picture. And I think the uh, the reveal of who he is is uh, is well done, especially with the makeup, like I said earlier. Uh-huh. So let's hit a grade. I'm going to give this a A minus. It's uh, 
it's strong, just quite strong. And uh, it, it, this is going to be something I talk about later in the year. I think this is one that's going to grow on me. The rewatchability is going to be up there for me. Mm-hmm. A lot of humor, a lot more humor than we'd seen in the previous films, a lot more fun, a lot more lighthearted, and a, a lot of great action. I think Justin Lin knows how to freaking direct an action movie, and this mm-hmm. is no different. There's almost no shaky cam. I can promise you that uh, you're going to be able to watch this movie and uh, actually sit there and enjoy it, and your eyes aren't going to bleed. And uh, <laughs> that was always good. That's always a good sign for me coming out of these because it's happened too many. All right. Uh, I'm going to give it an A minus, Brian. Yeah, I'm the same. A minus. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It feels uh, Star Trek y. Uh, I think Justin Lin can direct anything he wants to direct. I, I love this cast Chris Pine, Carl Urban. John Cho's fantastic. I want him to be in more stuff. Zachary Quinto on down the list. Um, I think this is a man. This is a franchise that I hope continues because I think that it has. There's so much. It's such a wide open universe. There's so much more that you could say, uh, and I'm I'm interested to see you know where it goes from here. So I, I think I'll go with A minus as well. Has Zoe Saldana aged a day in her life? Like, I'm not even <laughs> kidding. I mean, she's yeah. like the most flawless human being of all time. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. Gosh. She looks the exact same. She yeah. is just perfect. Uh, all right, Richard, what's your grade? I'm going to go A minus as well. And, wow. and Zoe's out on and gets an A plus. Yes. <laughs> she'll she'll be in like six Avatar movies, so I'm j- sure James Cameron will <laughs> take some of her soul away at some point. Okay, guys, let's uh, let's hit a recommend then. Weekly recommends. I assume you've seen Stranger Things, guys. I haven't. Oh, no, I've been trying. You haven't oh, seen no. it, Brian? What? Dude, I'm, I literally, uh, like Wednesday or Thursday last week, I've been, my wife, it's always my wife's fault. She, oh, man. Women. She was like, uh, am I right? No, she was like, I really want to watch it. I'm, I'm interested. Okay, let's do it. I'm not kidding. You can't. Like, it was late, so that's part of it. We sat down. She watched literally the first 30 seconds and she was like uh i don't think i can watch this before before i go to bed i was like dad gum it so (laughs) we watched kimmy schmidt or something instead so this week i with or without her uh, i'm i'm in i'm I'm gonna knock it out because i'm so excited about everybody that i talk to is just like this is this is such a cool show you're gonna love it it's right up your alley i i'm dying to watch it is it's, it? Am I right? Is it it's good? Like the, it's like the Brian Gill show. Like that's what it should yeah, be called. <laughs> that's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's awesome. So that's my recommend. Um, we need to talk about it at length, maybe at some point. I'm, I'm knocking it out this week, one or the one way or the other. So we we should do like a bonus episode or something. We've had multiple people tweet and email and whatnot and say, "Got to do it." So what it is mm-hmm. is for the people who aren't uh up to speed i guess uh netflix original series stranger things it's kind of a throwback to uh the goonies uh et kind of how monster movies used to be made uh to me it's kind of like if they made super eight into a series kind of that that maybe could be the best comparison um but it's definitely got a throwback feel in almost every sense uh it's it's set uh, back in the early 80s, and it's actually uh, got, like, the title sequences in there and the music and everything feel like Stanley Kubrick or something, you know. They, they do pay a lot of attention to the details, uh, making it feel like a like something nostalgic. So you're going to love it, Brian, and I can't wait for you to be texting us in, like, 
20 minutes <laughs> when you start episode one about I like you're like I love this more than anything in life this is all I want to live for <laughs> I, I know we're going to get that in uh, a few minutes I'm excited, so I'm excited. really okay. am but what's your recommend uh, I'm going to recommend a another podcast I listened to nope if no, just kidding oop, oop. <laughs> just kidding can't recommend um, podcasts on here we don't allow that <laughs> Good friend of the show, Jonah Carey, has a, a podcast on Nerdist's network where he talks about uh, baseball and comedy and other things. And uh, this last week, he sat down with Bill Walton, who is one of my, I don't know, five favorite humans in the entire world. Longtime listeners of the show may remember that on the first the first episode in which we discussed American Treasures on the show, I nominated uh, Bill Walton because he's that highly rated for me uh it's like one of the best hours of podcast listening that i've that i've ever had he's just bill walton is the best and everything that he says is just said with such grace and elegance and i love to hear him talk and he just for an hour just goes on and on about how great life is in spite of how terrible life has been to him at times and uh man it's a blast so definitely if you're uh, if you are a Bill Walton fan or a sports fan or a fan of life, or if you're one of the, the younger crowd that doesn't really remember how great Bill Walton was because he's sadly not on any, like NBA commentary very much anymore, uh, please check that out. It's Jonah Carey's podcast with Bill Walton, and uh, you can just search that iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you use, and it's oh, it's so good. Such a fun listen. I, I almost cried towards the end because it's just I love listening to that man talk. So, all right, Richard. Yeah, I'm going to recommend a book uh, that uh, I've been reading lately. It's um, it's called Your Song Changed My Life. It's by uh, Bob Boylan, who is the host of All Songs Considered on NPR. And he's also a director of um, of uh, All Things Considered. Uh, he's a really great musical historian. It's basically probably about 30 miniature chapters of um, interviews with musicians and this basically the song or artist that made them become a musician. And it's very unexpected. It's like, um, it's, it's everyone you would ever want from Dave Grohl to Jenny Lewis to like fish to, um, I mean, just er across the entire musical spectrum, but it's, uh, you know, like it'll be someone like a, from a punk rock, rock band would be like the thing that made me want to become a musician was the soundtrack to guys and dolls or something like that. I mean, it's just really interesting, <laughs> uh, to hear, um, everyone's, everyone's influences and, uh, it's a really easy read. Um, and, uh, if you love music and kind of the are interested in the creative process, then, uh, I would highly recommend it. It's, uh, your song changed my life by Bob Boylan. Okay. Appreciate that, Richard. And I will be checking that out, but yeah, you would love it. Kent. I, I definitely, I put it on the list. I just wrote it down. But I want to say thank you to the sponsors for making this episode happen. And uh, if you are a fan of the show, we want to hear from you. We want to hear about you. Go to Wondery, W-O-N-D-E-R-Y.com, Wondery.com slash survey. We want to hear from you. We want to know where you're from, what you do for a living, how old you are, things like that. We, it'll help us make the show better. So Wondery.com slash survey. We'd really appreciate your feedback on the show please fill that out and we appreciate you listening until next time we'll be talking about born and i believe suicide squad coming up so until then 
we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Yeah, yeah. The salad is grand.